This is Carcon Carne episode 806. It's the last episode of 2022. That's it. We're going out with this one. Thank you for listening, watching, sharing, talking about, contributing to, just being part of Carcon Carne. This past year, we'll start right up again early next week. The last episode of the year is sponsored by 90 Days in the 90s. It's a book. It's a fiction novel. And I'm recording this on the 29th of December. It's the end of the year. New Year's Day, no one moves. Everyone's sedentary. Everyone is a sloth. If that is going to be your situation, your fate on New Year's Day, why not commit yourself to reading a cool book? 90 Days in the 90s goes right back to Chicago in the 90s. Fantastic era for music and pop culture. And it's a cool time travel story written by my friend Andy Fry. 90 Days in the 90s, you can get it on Amazon. Get it on Kindle so it's ready to go for New Year's Day. Or if you want to have it and hold it, Order it through Amazon or get it get it from their website, 90daysin90s.com. It's car con carne. Let's eat in the car. It's car con carne. And now here's the star of our show. James Van So yeah, I'm James Van Ostel. It is episode 806. This is Car Con Carne, a podcast that usually is recorded in my car, but sometimes, especially during a holiday PTO kind of week, I reserve the right to record virtually. And tonight, my guests, we're going out with a bang for 2022. Vortis is back with a brand new collection of songs. It's called The Miasmic Years. It's another collection of songs that just kind of grabs you by the collar, gives you a little shake, then smacks you across the face just to make sure you're paying attention this is raw in your face zero bullshit garage rock and roll vortis is my guest tonight hello james hello. what I, an honor to be on with you again again but i feel like such an asshole we should have done this in the car i like as i no. logged on to zoom i'm like i don't want to do any more of these i, I yeah it's well, necessary but I, was, I was i was giving tony and louie crap about not talking enough the last time we did this and they were sitting in your backseat and we had gone to uh, uh, the burrito house and, mm -hmm. and they were just concerned about getting burrito juice all over your car. We didn't want to stay in the backseat. Oh, focus. worst, worst things have happened guys. <laughs> honestly, I've, I've had every, every manner of cuisine and ethnic food consumed in my car. What is the worst <laughs> stain you've had in the backseat? I've, I've had stain. Thank you. Uh, I mean, I've had tomato sauce and gyro bits and onions, and it, it, it's always fragrant when I go in my car the next morning. But, but we are the politest band in punk rock, and we just felt guilt about messing up your car. I appreciate that. And I want to save the new release is the Miasmic Years. I want to save listeners a trip to Google or viewers, a trip to Google. Miasmic means characterized by an oppressive and unpleasant atmosphere. That sounds about right. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> you know, on Sound Opinions, uh, I have said this a million times, and I'm sure you have said it a million times, we have been uh, the beneficiaries of a wave of fantastic pandemic records. You know, uh, everybody's quarantined. Everybody's going out of their minds. And a lot of great art has been made. 
And, you know, we made the decision early on being three uh, responsible gents that, that were vaccinated as soon as every shot came available, yep. that we would continue writing and rehearsing. And it's the only thing that kept me sane. I can't yeah. speak for Tony. Yeah, Lou. no, we, we, we absolutely. Well, I mean, for yeah, me, uh, I, yeah, it was funny because we were, uh, we, we, we started writing songs before um, the world ended. And um, they were already going that direction, which was funny. <laughs> and for me, yeah, we, I mean, we, the, yeah. the the podcast kept me from losing my mind. It, that was my mm-hmm. touchstone. And just having that creative outlet. I mean, to your point, it's like, yeah. okay, the pandemic's here. What do we do? You guys would shed it and it came up with the miasmic gears. I did my podcast. Jim, you also had that outlet for yourself. Yeah, yeah. Well, sound opinions. And, you know, I wrote a piece early on that I'm really proud of for The New Yorker. Uh, like uh, the world shut down around St. Patrick's Day. And I guess this ran in April or May about, you know, we rehearse and have for the last 15 years at Superior Street Studios. Right. And, um, you know, there must be 200 rooms in that block long warehouse. And some of them have three or four bands, right? And to me, it's always been the pulse of the Chicago music scene. You walk through on a Saturday at noon and there's a salsa band and there's death metal and there's, you know, post-punk and there's, you know, uh, hip hop. And that's always the weed coming out from under the door. (laughs) And it was silent, James, for a good year, year and a half. Uh, We were the only ones rehearsing it, it was always a sad experience when we drive up there on spirit street and um yeah. there was no problem parking <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and yeah, uh, see, it, it's a pain to park there for sure stuff, but it's like oh i guess no one's here again yeah see i, I it, it, the whole the whole community went on lockdown and froze especially bands that weren't doing a project you know the only other band i ran into for a good year at Superior Street was Ganser, right? And they were making a fantastic album that just recently came out mm-hmm. and they were struggling to keep their own sanity. And I think, uh, you know, thank goodness we had that outlet of the music, rehearsing, writing an album, yeah. taking our time and uh, eventually uh, recording with Dan Dietrich uh, in his basement. I think we were the last album he made there before he, he moved. Um, so, uh yeah. It's weird. I, I I feel like talking about anything that happened during the pandemic, during 2020, is something almost to just breeze by at this point. I, I feel like there's such a collective fatigue that people almost don't want to hear COVID 2020. Well, we were we were really conscious of not writing specifically about the time, but that's why it's the miasmic years. I mean, it's miasmic for a number of reasons. You know, <laughs> I mean, look at the caricature on the cover that yes. Tony's friend did. You know, and uh, I mean, we're we're falling into this black hole, and you know, some people uh, react with despair, and others uh, of our bent. Uh, rage against the dying of the light yeah well, and know, that's, and, go ahead i'm saying no that and that's the thing is like when we were writing it like i said it, it didn't it, it, the album became a bit of a concept record of documenting everything that was going on we didn't actually intend it for that to be at all but then we realized kind of told the story because we were just writing about things that we just kept experiencing but like what jim said it's like the the themes don't end it's like you can read the play, um, which we did <laughs> over the over the break, 
And um, these, these these guys, these guys are so silly. You know, they have a book club. We 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 rehearse, right? And then the two of them go to the bar and uh, and get stinking drunk midday Saturday and discuss the book they're reading, whether it's Camus or Dickens or I mean, you know. <laughs> it's enlightening. What? It informs the music. Man. This is where the rich ideas come from. <laughs> I am proud of you guys. So previously on Vortis, uh, the last album was This Machine Kills Fascists. And Woody Guthrie reference aside, the fascists are still among us. Like you, you had to keep going forward with where you were last time. Yeah, I mean, again, like you just said, they're, they're still among us. And again, like that book, The Plague, is like one plague ends, another begins. It's like, you know, we, we are living through a history that we think, oh, it's so unique to us. No, there there's a Spanish influenza. There's going to be more plagues. There's going to be more fascists. There's going to be more, like, you know, who's the next boss? So um, we, we try to document it with an air of critique we, I, I've always said, we've always said, I think that, you know, we're never going to like necessarily convert everybody, but maybe we'll get more people to like think on our side or we'll get people at least galvanized to think that might already be here and think like, oh, I, I can speak up too. It so, doesn't end. It's, it's, it's a cycle. But it's, it's interesting you should mention the last album because I remember there was a point after the last album came out and after we had been touring for a while, not touring, but playing for a while. The beginning of one rehearsal, Jim sat down on the couch, we're all chatting, and Jim goes, fellas, wither Vortis, which was his way of saying, like, I thought he's like, are you saying the band's over? And I was like, <laughs> where do we go now? And I think the themes of what we talk about and perform and sing about, they're still relevant, and we still have lots of uh, material to deal with there. But uh, musically, we did take a, a bit of a, a different path this time with the addition of loops and uh, s- samples and stuff like that, and a lot more... I don't know a lot more variety in the in the songs, so it is a it's a the similar story but told in a new way. Fair. Yeah, I get I get I get dinged on my own podcast radio show whenever I bring up this name, but I brought you know. my uh, <laughs> I, I brought my deck of oblique strategies, you know, to the rehearsal space, and whenever we thought. Well, that's exactly what Vortis would do for this bridge or this change or this solo, or I have no idea where this goes next, right? We would consult the oblique strategies and try to take, um, you know, I mean, famously, there's Eno's deck of cards that have this open-ended Zen advice, right? Is it finished? Can you, you know, remove everything you can? Right. And keep what you don't think is necessary or, you know, the sound of dripping water. It'll just be something that open ended. And um, so we tried to zig a lot on this record and go places we hadn't been before. And part of that was, uh, you know, I was recording analog synth loops and my buddy Barry uh, in Utah uh, was recording guitar noise and sometimes we'd take it and slow it down or speed it up and turn it backwards and just play with it. Louie is now, uh, you know, singing half the material, uh, playing bass and dealing with the looper. You know, it's the same one that uh, uh, a lot of hipster guitarists, folky, art rock type people use, you know. Um, And, uh, you know, they often lay down a line and then triple it and double it. And, you know, uh, we're just uh, hitting it uh, to make chaos. 
Because well, it's kind of Alan Ravenstein and Perubu or Eno and Roxy Music. And if you're playing Jim DeRogatis bingo at home, make sure you check off Perubu and Brian Eno. Yeah, there, 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 you <laughs> there you go. Yeah. We knocked those out early. I mean, yeah, this well, interview is still I, young. No need to mention them again. No. Uh, we still have to cover wire, and maybe we'll maybe we'll hit that. Oh yeah, I mean, well, we we can't, we can't get away from the wire. Uh, you know, I so I, I'd seen Colin Newman. Uh, he came to town on vacation with his wife. They were traveling, uh, hitting a couple of U.S. cities. We had a splendid dinner, and we're you know catching up about the old times. That he brought me a copy of that. Uh, you know, there had been a bootleg of all the demos they made between. Chairs missing in 154. And they said, well, screw that, this bootlegger, right? They put out their own version of it, uh, better quality and, and better sound. And so he brought me this vinyl uh, all the way from the UK. So I sent him the vinyl. And, you know, they're, uh, yeah, they, 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 they're moved past the punk rock into something that can only be described as wire. So the only comment, I don't even think I told you boys that. He finally wrote back, thanks for sending the album. Mono, eh? <laughs> That's all he said. That's all he said. Mono. Yes, it's, yes, it is in mono. Yes. Well, all right, let's let's go there. Is this album? Is your album in mono? Yeah. Yeah. We um, it's it's on Cave Tone again, and uh, Nancy Wallace is the one who runs Cave Tone, and she she really helped with a lot of the um, what'd you call it, Jim? Engineering or uh, executive producing? Executive notes, producing. Yeah. Um, she, we, 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 I mean, we recorded here in Chicago. Again, it was during the pandemic, so everything was via phone calls and meetings like this. Mm -hmm. And um, Nancy was giving us all sorts of suggestions how to, like, you know, tweak things with the um, final productions. And uh, one of the big things with Cape Town Records, they like to put stuff on mono. And Nancy's like, man, I really wish the last record was a mono. Maybe this one. And thinking about a lot of great records I've heard on mono, I'm like, well, that's not such a stupid idea. It's like, you know, yeah, people like the separation of sounds, all the fancy stuff, but um, mono is bombastic. So like, yeah, let's, let's, let's see how this sounds. And um, we, we did a whirl of it. I'm like, damn, that sounds good. So yeah. Mono, monolithic. It's <laughs> mono right. as in monolithic. That's exactly oh, well, you right. Know, I mean, we're a trio augmented by some noise, right? Uh, samples and, and loops. And, uh, you know, Nancy has the most amazing ears I've ever... Now, Dan Dietrich is no slouch. I mean, he teaches record engineer oh, yeah. in Columbia, and he's, he's you know, worked with the best, you know, <clears throat> Andrew Bird and Wilco, and, you know, people who actually play music as opposed to <laughs> us. You know, and Nancy would come back with, you know, if you just goose the 80 megahertz on the snare you know and we're like i don't know what the hell that is right and dan is like i don't know I, I, all right fine and then you know whatever she'd suggested would come out absolutely killer yeah so let's get into the album a little bit we briefly talked about the the flu the spanish flu from 1919 the 1919 influenza blues i or the covid blues is an interpolation of the 1919 influenza blues. I had to Google this. I, I had no idea. Uh, it, this is your take on something that was released a century ago. And I thought you could explain this because truly once I dug into this, listened to it, the original read the lyrics, my mind was blown by what you did here. That's so old Tony. Yeah. So you listen to the S.E. Jenkins version. Yeah. Oh, it, it's, it's, it's amazing. Um, I, I don't know how I, I, I stumbled upon it, but, um, 
I, I was blown away. It's, it's, it, for anyone you know, listening, yeah, yeah, S.C. Jenkins, 1919, Influenza Blues. It's a blues song written about the Spanish flu, the, the first one that came around. And it's, it's a blues song about it, and it's, it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. And I was listening, and I'm listening to the lyrics she's singing. I'm like, this is the same thing. This is no different. So um, we just took it, and we just kind of remosed it really changed very few of the lyrics because again it's it's the same story exactly as i was a being the two songs it was 1919 it was the year 2020 men and women were dying men and women feeling funny all the way to the exact same lines death was creeping all through the air and the groans of the rich sure was sad yeah those who do not remember the past are doomed to repeat it is that <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Last, last, last album it was orwell we were quoting this <laughs> album it's se jenkins it's the same idea i i just I, that was a really cool pull and i mean mm -hmm. that this is when liner notes come in so handy the, the lost art of cool liner notes and reading shit like what had i not had i just listened on Bandcamp, I might have missed that fact. And I, I opened yeah. up the record and I, I dug into that. I just thought that was really inventive, cool, and also kind of sad and depressing knowing that a century later we've learned not much. Yeah. yeah I mean, again, her, her lyrics, again, like you said, talking about kill the rich, kill the poor, I'm gonna kill more. I mean, nurses. I mean, it, 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 it was all there. It, it, was, it was kind of a no brainer. I just personally just fell in love with that song that she wrote. I'm like, well, what can we do with this now? And that was, um, that was one of the first lockdown songs I think we tackled. Oh, yeah. 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 We have to give a shout out. I'm so glad that you read the liner notes, uh, James, because uh, our good buddy Jamie over, what's his company called? Leo Graphics. Oh, Leo Graphics oh, yeah. over on the uh, on the northwest side here. Uh, you know, he did the the cover and the, the liner notes and, uh, you know, great play because nobody, you know, it, it doesn't make sense to have the record pressing. They're so over burdened to begin with all the pressing plants so uh anybody who's printing vinyl uh you can't get better work than leo graphics they do fantastic fantastic work okay yeah, so going yeah. going going back into the miasmic years what's the catchiest song on the album and why is it bastard <laughs> <laughs> that's louis that's a louis song i forget what band it, believe it or not it was a, a band jim you got you played on sound opinions couldn't remember their name but I, I remember listening to one snippet of one song that you played because you can only play snippets of it. I'm like, boy, that bass thing is cool. And I listened to it once. And then whatever vibe I gave me, I just picked up the bass and did something slappy on the bass. <laughs> I love you know, it. And, and Jim, are you playing a wood block on that? What, what's that noise I'm hearing in the percussion? Oh, yeah. It's, it's, well, it's a Latin percussion fake wood block because I break anything organic. <laughs> uh, I've had wood blocks made of wood and they don't last long. Uh, so it's it's one of those heavy duty plastic uh, Latin percussion that mounts on the bass drum rim. But uh, I will say lyrically, uh, I took I took I was on a work trip in L.A. once and I was trying to write a song every morning before I had to do some work. And one of the songs I wrote had the line, it's a great day to be a bastard because I felt so bad about walking past a homeless person and not giving them money that morning. I was like, oh, man, I'm a bastard. So there was a lot more to that song, that lyrics, but that's the one thing that we plucked from my song cycle in L.A. and said, let's build a song around that. It's a great day to be a bastard. 
which is unusual. Usually we write the lyrics together. Yeah. I was going to ask. And, and, uh, but this was one that kind of came fully formed to Louis. I was going to ask that because you are all of like mine. This is, this is a movement you've created here. This is a sociopolitical statement. I just kind of assumed that there was kind of a writer's room for every aspect of the songs you create. Well, it, it's funny. It's funny. It's like, I, I mean, yeah, we, 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 we sometimes write songs that are like, like Louis, Louis will come songs and his are always the very ultra sarcastic, like almost too satirical. Yeah. Satirical <laughs> songs. And it's, it, which I've always afraid are going to be misconstrued because you're always speaking from the opposite voice. I'm like, are they going to think we're the bad guys? Um, you know, I'll, I'll come up with stuff, but no, a lot of times it was just us sitting around and, uh, a Vortis rehearsal is uh, we'll get together, we're sitting there drinking our coffee, and then we'll start just talking about the New Yorker. We'll start talking about what we saw on the news. Like, all right, let's do a song about that. Let's 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 do something about that. So, um, yeah, it, it, there, there's a lot of just writing amongst us, like just kind of going through literally what's in the headlines. And okay, there's the germ. You, you mentioned earlier about how you connect with people and how you can, you know, bit by bit, bring people along for the ride. I've got to think with all the content that's out there, flooding people's algorithms and social media platforms, it's got to be hard to find people who are, who you're not automatically preaching to it. it I feel like a band like Vortis is already preaching to the converted and the way algorithms are stacked against you and the way, just the way things work, it's hard to further your reach. Is that a fair assessment or i think it's a I mean, definitely i mean um it is a definitely fair assessment but if, if, if we're gonna do music you know one we're gonna write like literally music that we like to play and listen to and if we've got to yell something into a microphone well damn it it better be something that we believe in it's like um, I, I would feel stupid, you know, singing songs that just about like trivial stuff that just means nothing. It's like, you know, if, if we have all these watts of volume behind us, um, well, well yeah, got kind of meaning behind it, you know, but the other thing, James, is two of the three of us are teachers. And if you think uh, they're all converted out there, uh, I welcome you to either <laughs> of our classes. I mean, I, I just had two. Uh, giant lecture classes of 150 students each, right? So 300 students for music and media in Chicago. Tony teaches uh, at high school English. Um, yeah, we can't, I mean, it's very strange what uh, the current generation, really, I've been teaching long enough, Tony has too, that we're talking two generations, right? What they know and what they don't know. You know, I'll drop a name like Public Enemy and there's like blank stairs come back at me you know and it was like Flava Flav he was on TV you know and it was oh wasn't he one of the beastie boys <laughs> so you know um uh, not that we want to be I mean Michael who started with us the professor uh rest in wherever he is um you know called it edutainment after KRS1 <laughs> you know uh but I I think you know, part of the problem is right now people are only talking to people who are exactly on their wavelength, whether it's in the, you know, QAnon rabbit hole or, you know, us well-meaning 
left-leaning, uh, you know, too old to be revolutionaries, but are down with it. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, we got to stop just talking to each other and try to talk to everybody. Well, it, it, it's that, Jim, I agree with everything you said. And also, it's, it's again, like you said, we're, we're, we're teachers. And like I tell my own students, it's um, we read to know we're not alone. And I, 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 I only hope like you know, anyone listening to these songs will, will realize, OK, but someone else is thinking the same thing. Someone else is believing the same thing. And it, it gives them anyone a little more power to know someone else is thinking the same way I do. And we, we hope we give people that, we give a little anthem, a little, little fire. Um, they're like, yeah, okay, you know what? These ideas, no matter what I'm seeing, they're, they're not wrong, they're not stupid. Um, this is good, this is how I should think. So I um, mean, let people know they're not alone in their thoughts. Mm. Jimmy mentioned Michael, which rem reminded me of the fact that Vortis has been around for a while. I mean, Vortis has been around. <laughs> For, for decades is yeah. it easy, is it easier to be an indie band with all the resources that are available now as opposed to when Vorta started I'd say it's harder okay <laughs> I, I don't want to say it's harder I, mean, I, I think a lot of people are, uh, are are you know doing the tech a lot better than we are flying the algorithms a lot better than we are um I, I think it was easier when there were um there was less out there because there was there was less noise to uh, compete with, less noise to um, uh, uh, try to raise above with. And um, even back even when you guys started, before I joined, even there was more little mini venues, even all age venues. Yeah, stuff, a lot yeah. more places mm -hmm. to play. Now it's everything's closed down. You We've lost a lot places. of our favorite uh, dives, you know, Ronnie's and uh, uh, you know. Yeah, Township. Cows. Uh, cows. Oh, cows. We love there, cows. There's more places we play that are closed than places yeah. that are still open. Well, and, you know, New City, kind of on life support. Chicago Reader, kind of on life support. That that uh, uh, dead tree media infrastructure mm -hmm. that existed. Yeah, yeah. Again, it was 2000. So 22, now almost 23 years ago, uh, is gone. Um but uh, but we persevere. <laughs> and, and you bring up a point I, I tend to come back to. I, I feel like with the availability of everything and everything you could ever want to search for musically is out there. That's one thing. But the, the lack of curation to me is more apparent now than ever. Mm -hmm. Knowing who those trusted voices are. I mean, Jim, I certainly count you as one as a music journalist, as a host of Sound Opinions. But who are those trusted voices? You don't like you said, reader in New City, kind of on life support. Clubs that are de facto Chicago music venues, maybe not really there anymore. It, it's radio. Fuck radio. I, yeah. Those trusted curators are harder and harder to identify. And I think that makes it really tough for music fans to what we were talking about earlier, break out of yeah, what they know. You know, they're still they're still out there. I mean, you know, the Razor and Die show are hugely supportive of us and been playing like a different song every episode, uh, weekly, you know, and Chirp is is great. And, uh, uh, you know, you, what you do is incredible. Um, you know, we have to be thankful for what we have and, and you just have to search a little harder. It's not like it's uh, every trip to the Jewel, there's the reader box outside anymore, you know. And I mean, you know, 20 years ago, if you didn't read the reader every week, I mean, 
you know, what kind of a Chicago culturally tuned in person were you? I mean, you, you, For real. Might, as well, you might as well have been living in Schomburg, you know. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I mean, it's just different. Uh, there's different places and you have to dig a little harder. And again, people get stuck in that thing of falling into their silo of uh, only their like-minded, uh, you know, it's the goddamn Facebook mentality, you know friends you know what shows up in your algorithm you know it's like that's not the end all and be all for real i, I do want to mention the miasmic years on vinyl it's the deal of the century on Bandcamp. i i worry that you're not getting paid what you're worth uh it's 10 bucks for the vinyl on Bandcamp. <laughs> like i i don't know a whole, <laughs> i don't know a whole lot about the mark great about you just started a row james <laughs> I, I I don't know a whole lot about the margins, but I feel like I mean you're a value at any price. But uh, I I just want to make sure you're getting paid what you're worth because it's yeah, a fantastic you know record. Yeah, James. You know what? We just want to sell them and get back what we put into it. That's all. It's like we you know we all have jobs. It's like we we are not making a, a living off the bands. Like we're we're not gonna like eat the dog if um, we don't sell X amount of records. Well, I might eat the dog. Um, we, we just want people to hear it. We just want we just want to share it with people. We just want people to get in their hands and spin on their platters. Um, yeah, that's the that's the break even point. I mean, yeah. Why worry about anything above that? That's fine. We 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 play a gig and uh, we we make money get gas back to Chicago, Sulky Records. Okay, great, perfect, wonderful. Well, and um, I love so that. Yeah, I, I kind of figured that was the approach. Like, okay, this you don't you don't need to worry about paying the mortgage or rent on your record sales you you've i mean this is bringing it to the people and i it, i've yet to find vinyl sales thing. is cheap for a new record it's a liberating thing because uh, again we we can we can speak our minds politically in these kinds of things and it might you know it might put us in a corner of what kind of music we do um but that's okay we we, we can live with that we, we we don't we 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 can say what we want to say and and get out a message you want to get out and not worry about okay well we got to sell a lot of records so we shouldn't be so political we shouldn't say these things we should um you know sing whatever i don't know what kind of stupid crap you, you might sing about but it's like no we, we we can do what we do um do it well do it right and um yeah we, we just want to get get people listening I, I totally get that it. fugazi mentality you know yeah yeah <laughs> Totally get it. Like, and I tell people who want to start podcasting all the time, if you're doing it as a revenue stream or a way to start generating big income, stop doing it. If you're doing it because you, you think what you have to say has value and because you want to share it full speed ahead. But the, the second you start chasing money for your art, it, it becomes a really dicey situation. And I, I assume that's where you're going with this. And that said, if someone is watching or listening, 10 bucks talk about a low risk if, if you're interested by what we're talking about here i mean i i dream of finding more independent chicago bands selling records for that much i i, I probably max out my debit card in no time flat i mean i love that you're doing that well thanks no we appreciate that and that's um I'm, that's what we're trying to do and and again to what you're saying it's like you know to, to people to anyone whether you're a musician or, or a podcast you if you're doing for the money, you, you look at all the people that do terrible things on these venues. Like, again, my, my students turned me on to this guy, Adam something, who's the most misogynistic, horrible YouTuber in the world, making millions of dollars. Um, again, I don't remember the guy's name, but um, they, they brought it to my attention because we were talking about uh, 
some Russian literature and a bad character. But you you look at what people are doing for um, likes. It's right. disgusting. It's disgusting. Simply put, it is disgusting. So, Vortis, the miasmic years is out. Um, this is going to end well. We're, we're wrapping up the interview. Uh, I didn't even talk about this. It's going to end well. Uh, I, I guess we should talk about that. I, I'm going to go back on that. The election denial thing. Looking at the cover of the album, you, you had to address it on this album. Yeah, Available I think Vortis that actually to- came together before January 6th and before yeah. the election denial. That did. I mean, you got to, you know, the, the pressing delays and the uh, the general, uh, I mean, we didn't have any deadline. I mean, it was the only thing, it was almost sad to be done with it because it was the project that was keeping us sane. <laughs> um, yeah, so a lot of this was prescient. You know, uh, This Ain't Gonna End Well was written before that. Uh, I forget, you know, we we had heard that line somewhere and we just said, oh, man, that applies to everything right now. Just like Distanza Sociale, uh, Italian for social distancing, was written before, right, Tony? Before yeah. the you, social you, distancing. You, again, we, uh, like I said, we, we started our rehearsals. We just started drinking our coffee, talking about things, and Jim brought it. Hey, you guys got to see this. And it was when this weird pandemic was happening in Europe um, and all these people in Italy were getting sick and um, uh, Jim brings up this post of um, these people singing on rooftops mm. and and this term distance sociale and like oh wow what's that mean social distancing um, at the time it hadn't hit here and yeah. we were just like well, that's kind of a cool punk rock term like social distancing get away from me that, that that's that's quirky let, let, let's and look at these cool Italians being inspired to overcoming adversity. That's neat. Let's write a song about that. And then how you many know, months it, later? Oh, social distancing. Oh, that's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you <laughs> gotta realize it, it's it's Tavano, Calvano, and De Regattas, right? <laughs> I mean, we are three greasy guineas. There's no <laughs> two with it. And there's something about uh when when the Italian cities were first shutting down. Uh, there's a, there was this video on YouTube of this guy on a balcony singing opera, you know, to the small city. Uh, I think it was in the north. And, and you know, he was all alone, but the windows are open and, and people were hearing. And the power, I mean, you know, that is so freaking Italian. You know, the world is ending. And so we're going to sing. <laughs> You know, and uh, uh, that affected all of us. So that's and that's exactly what we did with this album. I love it. The world is ending. What are we going to do? We're going to sing. <laughs> Absolutely. Key, you know, shouting uh, and barely, uh, which is why there's a lyric sheet, because you can't hear that we're singing. <laughs> I love the lyric sheet. I love you guys. Fortis, next time we do this, we're doing this in a car. With food. With now, you know, why, why don't we do it on in Tony's backyard or Louis? I mean, these guys live across the street from each other, and then this right way here. we can we can drip on the grass, yeah, and the dog <laughs> will eat anything that falls, and we don't have to be self conscious. Louis didn't talk much again because you know, and I don't know. This time he doesn't have an excuse. Last okay. time he was deadly afraid of burrito on James's car. <laughs> Let's uh, Louis. We can let him off the hook. I mean, we talked about bastard. That was his moment to shine. Yeah, yeah. He he gets credit for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, let's, uh, <laughs> let's we'll go in the backyard. We'll set up a camera, some microphones. Yeah, we'll hang that, out. That'd be much more civilized than eating in the car. Right. 
Which isn't to say that my show isn't civilized. No, 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 no. It's just we feel guilty. Now, next time, you know, I mean, we could have gone just three blocks uh, further past Burrito House was White Castle. That's I'm what aware. my son said. Now, my son, now that's my you son know, said. White Castle, you can't White Castle. But you, no, but you you have White Castle in the car, James, and it is in the car for nine the onions. months. <laughs> yeah. you know? I mean, it just, it's, it, it, every time you open the car door, it's blast of White Castle. Oh, I, and maybe you guys it. will appreciate this. Maybe you'll agree with me. White Castle to me is absolutely a post-concert spot. The only oh, time yeah. I ever yeah. eat White Castle is after a show, like on my it's way home. It's a post-coitus spot. It's post-anything <laughs> spot. It's it's perfect. Oh, I was supposed to go there. I'm sorry. Hi, Randy. <laughs> I don't want right. to think about that. <laughs> I do. On that note. All right, Fortis, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you, James. Thanks, James. We appreciate it.